Around Valentine's Day, hearts are abundant. From sweethearts, paper hearts, chocolate hearts, and even broken hearts. They're all around us. But the most important heart beats within us and was marvelously designed by our Creator. In Proverbs 17, 22, the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. The heart is an amazing creation that goes to work before we are born and doesn't retire until the day of our death. So important is this life-sustaining organ that we are constantly reminded to take good care of it. Not only do we try to keep the heart in good shape internally, but because a physical wound to the heart can often lead to sudden death, guarding the outside of the heart is important too. Have a heart. Stay with us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the incredible created heart. We'll also hear how one United States president escaped death by an inch when his heart was spared a would-be assassin's bullet. This wonderful creation called a heart is a pump that supplies our body with a life-sustaining blood flow, pumping an average of 6,000 quarts of blood a day. But just when does this magnificent machine start working in our bodies? Dr. David Menton is Associate Professor Emeritus at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. He says the heart begins to form early in an unborn baby's development and works independently of other organs. Well, the heart is certainly one of the more amazing organs in the body. When you think about it, the heart is the only organ that the placenta can't take the place of. The placenta is our kidney, you know, and we develop in the womb, and the placenta serves the function of our liver, and it serves the function of our lungs, and... It serves all of these functions, but it cannot be the heart for us. The baby has to develop the heart very early, and the heart is certainly one of the first organs to develop in the body of the baby. Just a couple of weeks into development, and already the heart is beginning to be put together uh, and to uh, begin to function. The way the heart beats and the fantastic ability of each heart cell to beat independently is truly amazing. It has its own built-in pacemaker mechanism, and that intrinsic ability to contract and beat extends all the way down to the level of individual heart muscles, so that if you grow heart muscles in a dish, we call that growing cells in vitro, These little muscle cells, let's say at first they're separate from one another, you know, growing in a little dish of media, and each of these little muscle cells will be beating, and and at first you'll see they'll be out of sync with one another. In other words, each little cell will be kind of beating to its own little drummer, you might say. But as soon as two heart muscle cells growing in a tissue culture like this touch one another, as soon as the two cells touch, they start beating together. Every detail of the heart was created perfectly by God. And Dr. Menton says that even though man has tried to copy the design of the heart, it's just not as good as what God has made. We've tried to come up with artificial hearts, for example. You'd think this should be something man can do. After all, this is just a pump. But thus far, we've not succeeded in making a mechanical heart that can be put inside the chest cavity. And the reason for that is kind of interesting, because you see... The heart is so efficient when it pumps that it gives off relatively little heat. And what heat it does generate can be dissipated by the body, you know, through sweating and our our temperature control. 
Whereas if we try to make a mechanical heart and put it in the body and put the little electric motor in with it, our motors generate so much heat because they're not as efficient as God's motor. And the body temperature goes sky high and we would die. So far, we've heard some incredible facts about the heart. Yet some evolutionists find fault with the heart system and suggest that by now, evolution should have made it more efficient. Dr. Alan Gillen is professor of biology at Liberty University in Virginia. Darwinists have been repeatedly using the terms constrained and failing physiology to describe our heart and blood vessels. And after all, the leading cause of death in the United States is cardiovascular disease, which includes heart disease, stroke, and atherosclerosis. And by Darwinian reasoning, they are trying to make a case that the anatomy and physiology of the circulatory system and heart, it must be bad, and evolution in its randomness has given us a raw deal. There's a pretty popular book out on the market right now called Why We Get Sick by Nessie and Williams, and they acknowledge that things like bones and the nervous system elicit our wonder and admiration, but by contrast, they suggest that the body, uh, in terms of its blood vessels, uh, are amazingly crude. They come back to the heart and talk about it as being flawed and maladapted. Another quote is, in the case of the heart, why doesn't the body repair clogged arteries? Why does anything hurt, and why, after millions of years, are we still prone to streptococcal infections? And Darwinists uh, assume that modern humans are trapped in a Stone Age body, that the random forces of evolution have left us with a body outdated for our own times. But do health issues, including heart disease, occur because of an inadequate and malfunctioning body design? It is true. Man does have problems with his heart, but its failure is not due to really a poor design given by the Creator, but it's really due to man's lack of exercise, a poor and gluttonous diet in many cases, some infections and inheritance. And although the body is not what it once was in Genesis 1 and 2, and certainly has been corrupt since the Edenic curse, uh, it's neither inept nor flawed in its original design. We know that it's important to take good care of our heart by eating right and exercising. But the condition of our spirit plays a role in our health as well. In Proverbs 17, 22, the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And interesting enough, as we maintain a positive attitude, as we have a joyful heart before the Lord, our immune system is strengthened, and in turn, our heart is stronger, our blood pressure comes down, and we're able to handle the day-by-day stresses that come about. Believe it or not, another way to do something good for your heart is to eat those Valentine's Day chocolates. Dr. Gillen tells us that researchers now believe that chocolate has a lot of heart-healthy benefits. What they have found in dark chocolate is, is that it contains flavonoids, and flavonoids we get from eating different plants, and uh, of course chocolate is derived from cocoa, which comes from a plant, and in cocoa, and in turn processed chocolate, there's all these antioxidants. And antioxidants help our body cells resist damage that are caused by free radicals that normally form in processes when we breathe. 
and when environmental contaminants like smoking comes in it helps to set the body cells back to their normal levels and in turn we stay healthier. Valentine's Day is not the only holiday we celebrate in February. And although we're not in the habit of giving out chocolate hearts on President's Day, we do remember our country's past leaders. So what does President's Day have to do with the subject of the heart? Well, one U.S. president comes to mind as his life was spared by an inch when a would-be assassin's bullet just missed his heart. President Ronald Reagan was shot on March 30, 1981, but by God's grace survived the ordeal. Now retired, Dr. Ben Aaron was professor and chief of cardiothoracic surgery at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., when he operated on the president. The president was very gravely injured. It was probably not commented on as much as it should have at the time, but in point of fact, uh, he narrowly escaped death. And the bullet which penetrated his left side and uh, moved across his lung and stopped right behind his heart. It actually was within an inch easily of his heart. Had it been misdirected or otherwise directed, maybe not misdirected, but otherwise directed so that it had struck his heart, I think probably he would have died. I think that there was enough energy in that bullet to do his heart damage sufficiently so that in addition to the blood that he had lost, the heart probably would have begun to operate erratically from the damage, and the bullet could have punctured a hole in the heart, which, of course, is a very grave affair. But because President Reagan was in such good shape physically, his chances of survival were greater than if his heart had been damaged in the past. When we got him, he lost about 40% of his blood volume, and he was in shock, basically, when he arrived in the hospital. Now, maybe in a 20-year-old person, that would have been only a passing kind of insult. But in a 70-year-old man, such as he was, losing 40% of your blood volume is an invitation to real trouble. And it's, of course, to his credit, being in good health and his heart was in good shape, to his credit that he survived that insult and was able to respond to fluid and blood administration and recover from that. If he'd had a heart, say he had seven years old, he could have had a heart attack in times past. And maybe he was getting along just fine. And then all of a sudden his heart's subjected to a situation where it's not getting enough blood to supply its needs. And the heart could have gotten into serious trouble and taken a while, even without a heart attack, to recover from that once the fluid problem was taken care of. But Dr. Aaron says the main reason President Reagan's surgery went well was because of the divine intervention of the Lord. This was one of those time for which you are called kind of things. There are not many surgeons in their lifetime get thrown into a situation like this. It's pretty unusual. And there was uh, a lot on the line. And you have to think in a situation like that that there's something a little divine about a situation like that. I mean, I operated every day, and there were and there were a lot of things that one could interpret as divine from that, but it was a pretty workaday world for a surgeon. But this was a pace apart from that, and it was a circumstance where one would pretty quickly want to have some divine help, I think, because it there were so many options for outcomes in a situation like that that uh, I 
just a surgeon need a little little help in that regard. Sure, I, I went to the Lord for that. By learning more about the heart, we have a better appreciation for its wonderful design. And although our physical heart is of tremendous importance, Dr. Gillen tells us that our spiritual heart is even more important. The heart, in this case, is very corrupt, and it's called defiled in Scripture. And the good news is that there is a, a permanent remedy to that heart problem, and that is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great physician. It's such that God has loved us so much that He has sent His only begotten Son, and that whoever believeth on Him shall have everlasting life, and that is the permanent cure for a heart problem. He can make our hearts right as we trust in Him. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.